Welcome back to the program. It's football at four and uh, no Britain Gray today. Instead, we are talking to Matt Mayoko from NBC Sports Bay Area, NBC Sports California, who covers the Niners so well year after year. And this season has been a very interesting one for Matt. Uh, Matt, thank you very much for joining me. I appreciate it. Drew, always my pleasure. Hope everything is well in your world. We're, uh, we're bracing for a little rain here tomorrow in Santa Clara. Uh, around kickoff for the 49ers and the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I noticed that. We're playing tomorrow night against uh, against the Anaheim Ducks. Um, you'll you'll start a couple hours before we start, though, so um, looking forward to catching a little bit of the game. So let's look at this, the Packers versus the Niners. First off, i got to ask you, Christian McCaffrey, um, he had a calf injury. What's the, the status for McCaffrey for the game? Full go. Uh, he is he is fine. He went through a full week of practice. They gave him a couple weeks off, which for him doesn't mean weeks off. Uh, you know, he attacks <laughs> his uh, the his workouts and everything else. But they just wanted to make sure that his calf. He had a, a mild calf strain in the week seventeen game in Washington uh, because the Forty ers wrapped up the NFC number one seed. Uh, they gave him that next week off the game against the Rams. And so they arrested a lot of their guys. The only, the only two injuries that will impact the team tomorrow, at least at the start, will be a uh, Cleveland Pearl, who's a defensive end. He's out with a knee injury. And then Dre Greenlaw is questionable with an Achilles tendonitis, but all indications are that he'll play. And, um, yeah, I think they, that expect him to be you know, fully functioning and, and not have any signs of that once the game starts. I want to go back to McCaffrey for a second. Uh, my, my sons uh, came down uh, to visit me for, for Christmas, and we went to the Christmas game against the Ravens. Not a, not a great game for the Niners, <laughs> no. but um, I was, and we all were, absolutely amazed at how hard Christian McCaffrey runs and how he refuses, refuses to go down. That's just the way he plays. Yeah. I mean, Kyle Shanahan has talked about how he plays like a walk-on, you know, he, he practices like (laughs) a walk-on. He practices like a guy who's, who's just trying to earn that scholarship and he's, (laughs) he's earned the scholarship. You know, he did at Stanford, uh, you know, he's gotten the big contract in the NFL. Um, he is just wired a different way than, than a lot of people, even a lot of people at this level. But no, you're right. He's, he's this guy that, you know, he doesn't, you know, out, out of pads. He, he looks like a kind of a normal guy, but, you know, he's, he's very sneaky, powerful, strong, got great speed. Um, great head on his shoulders as far as knowing the game of football. Um, I mean, he can beat, a, you know, he can beat, beat a team in so many different ways. And I would expect him to go a lot of touches tomorrow night, whether it's, you know, straight handoffs, you know, running inside, running outside, but also he can be a major factor in the passing game. Cause when you look at the Packers, one of the areas where I don't think that, you know, they're all that great an area where they're susceptible is with their linebackers. So if they can get him out in space in some one-on-one matchups, uh, he has a chance to have a really big game tomorrow night. Well, that's what I was just going to ask you. When, when you look at the Packers and what they did, they played great against a very good defense, which the Niners have as well against the against Cleveland. And we're talking Matt Mielko, by the way, from NBC Sports Bay Area. They the, the Niners, how will they look to beat the 
the Packers? Will it be getting getting running backs out? Will they get getting Debo outfield, get getting him out in the flats and getting the ball to him, Kittle through the middle? Where are they going to be able to expose the Packers? Well, I think the first thing they have to do is be able to get that running game going a little bit, or at least use the Packers maybe selling out to stop the run to then open things up in the passing game. Uh, you know, we'll talk about, uh, you know, I don't know how much the weather will, will play into that, but the Packers, you know, that defense isn't, isn't great. And uh, their defense coordinator, Joe Barry, has been on the hot seat for a lot of the season. I mean, they gave up some big games fairly late in the year to guys like Tommy DeVito and yeah. Bryce Young, who was the number one pick of the Carolina Panthers. But, you know, the Packers had to struggle in week 17 or week 16 to beat the Carolina Panthers, and that was with Bryce Young having his career game as a rookie. Uh, you know, we all remember what Baker Mayfield did against them. You know, the perfect passer rating. So, you know, the, the Packers have some vulnerabilities in that defense, and they can be schemed open. Their their secondary, um, you know, isn't great. They 49ers need to protect Brock Purdy. They need to get the run game going, and then they can just dial it up using play action. Uh, to get the ball either down the field or in space, you know, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, those guys are going to be huge in this game. You know, I didn't, I didn't even mention Brandon Ayuk, but oh, yeah, the Packers exactly. don't, yeah, the Packers don't tackle all that well. And as you know, Debo Samuel makes you tackle and he has a tendency to force defensive backs into making business business decisions you know, a lot of those guys don't <laughs> want to take him on you know he, he is a rolling he is a bowling ball you know, once he gets going so that'll be kind of the 49ers plan is to, to get those guys in space and and let them get those yards after the catch I'm going to steal that business decision from you when I see somebody pass up on a hit against the Anaheim Ducks tomorrow night. I'll tell you right now. Yeah, you, you see it often, don't you? I mean, it's, that's exactly. exactly. That is. That's a great yeah. way to put it. I, I need another contract for next year. I'm, I'm going to be healthy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, speaking of Brock Purdy, uh, Devontae Wyatt had an interesting take. Uh, when he talked about you just have to get pressure on him because he's always throwing off his his uh, back foot or behind them. It's an overthrow or short. When you get pressure on him, it's a guarantee it's a turnover. I don't think that's true. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say then that, that he's only been pressured 11 times this year because that's how many uh, turnovers he had. No, I mean, I, you know, at this point of the season, I think, you know, some guys like to try to get in the heads of, of yeah. players on the other team. Uh, that might be some of that. Uh, do the facts bear that out? No. No. But, <laughs> no. but if you, you know, if you watch, you know, the, the Ravens game, you know, that, that was the game that basically yeah. probably, you know, eliminated him from the MVP talk. Now, you know, let's, let's, uh, there's two ways to look at this. The 49ers had a lot of bad luck in that game. Brock Purdy had a lot of bad luck because a yep. lot of times those those deflected passes end up as incompletions and not takeaways, not interceptions. But the flip side of that is the Baltimore Ravens made their own good luck. You know, the Baltimore Ravens did everything they wanted to do in that game to get their hands on some footballs. They got their hand on, on Brock Purdy once to hit his arm as he was throwing. That was another interception so the Ravens did everything the right way and so I mean I can see what he's saying 
from the standpoint of if you impact him, if you hit him as he's throwing, if you get your hands on the football, uh, the odds do increase for the defense to get some takeaways. But you know, I could say the same thing about Jordan Love and probably any yeah. quarterback that's going to be playing this weekend. Well, Matt, Nick, Nick Bosa talked about that as well. He thought that maybe other teams have not made Jordan Love uncomfortable. So how can the yeah. Niners make Jordan Love uncomfortable? Well, it really helps to get Eric Armstead back. And so he's a, a three-down player. You know, He plays the run very well. And this is kind of multi-pronged here. The 49ers' run defense wasn't as good when Eric Armstead was out of the lineup. So he's been cleared to, to come back. Uh, he's had foot and knee issues. But he was going to play week, week 17 or week 18, the uh, final game of the regular season, if they needed to win that game. So they could hold him out another week. He helps in the run game which then creates those third and long situations that helps in the pass game because he also is a good pass rusher too. So it's getting the pressure up the middle. Uh, Nick Bosa has to feast on one side. And then on the other side, this is why the 49ers acquired Chase Young in the middle of the season. They yeah. got him for this reason, to get after the quarterback, to make an impact. And with Nick Bosa on one side, Chase Young is going to have a lot of one-on-one opportunities, and he's got to he's got to win those, and he's got to get some hits on Jordan Love. So, you know, I, what's so interesting about this game, Drew, is that, that you know the Forty are much further along as far as where the Packers right. are. You know, Forty have all the Pro Bowl players, they have all the All Pro players. Packers have a lot of talent, but it's young talent. They're built in much the same way, in the sense that. Everything I said about what Christian McCaffrey is to the 49ers, what the 49ers pass rush is against Jordan Love, I could just flip it. And I could say, you know, Aaron Jones, the running back for the Packers, if he gets going, boy, that makes things easier on Jordan Love. Boy, the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, Packers pass rush, if they can get after Brock Purdy, you know, like it's, it's just, they're, the formulas are the same really for both of these teams. They both, you know, they're both good at getting off to fast starts and they're kind of dictating the flow of the game. Um, and so it's, that's kind of part of why this game looks to be so intriguing is that, you know, they're different teams, no doubt about it, but they're, they're very similar in what they want to do and what their formulas for success are. Matt, great stuff as always, man. Thank you very much. Uh, enjoy the game tomorrow night and after the parade and everything else. Um, we'll have to get you out to a hockey game. <laughs> you know, okay, fair enough. All right, Drew. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you for coming on Talk to Saskatchewan about the Niners and the Packers. Matt Mayoko from NBC Sports Bay Area does a great job with Jennifer Lee Chan as well. Uh, they do an outstanding job uh, covering the Niners. And uh, it'll be very interesting tomorrow night, without a doubt, here in the Bay Area in Santa Clara, where the Niners take on the Packers. 7.15 Saskatchewan time tomorrow, I do believe. We'll be back on the Green Zone, 6.50 CQM, 9.80 CJME. Uh, welcome back to the program. We are talking C- yeah, CFL. I'm, I'm balancing tons of things. NFL football. The playoffs are here. It's a lot of fun. We've had some great conversations today, but another great conversation I always look forward to when we're talking NFL football is our man, 
Chad from Astrahazy. Chad, what are you thinking about the playoffs this weekend? Um, yeah, I got the four little picks. Uh, I'll get the easiest one out of the way. Not easiest, the one I have the least confidence in is uh, Tampa Bay plus six and a half points. I, I like them. This thing's right side of the number, but the Lions probably win the game. And uh, yeah, and then moving like San Francisco, I think. Uh, that's like a 42-14 for San Fran. They're going to roll Green Bay. Wow. For for a lot of the th- reasons your your guest said, Green Bay does not match up good against these guys. This is a this is a full zone team. They blitz. Well, they don't have to blitz, but their their scheme matches up great against Green Bay's and uh, Green Bay. Um, their defense will not stop the Niners. I, I think uh, honestly, I think it could be thirty plus point win. And. Um, then I guess the Houston and the Ravens. It's uh, the game's all about Lamar. And right. He's special. He's great. But you know, I'm I'm not. I'm just a facts guy. I'm like the dragnet, right? Just a facts. <laughs> so Lamar Jackson has never. It's only four, but has never won a home playoff game in his career yet. Lamar Jackson, when he's three point favorite or more, has only covered a spread forty two percent of the time. Lamar wow. Jackson, when he when he's at seven point seven point five points or more. One and eight. So if you're back in Lamar as a big favorite, you get return on your money about 13% of the time. And then I have the same kind of data as Mahomes. I know everybody like Jamie's anti KC because we all understand he's during his division. Yeah. He, he can never admit how great Mahomes is because it's in his arrival. <laughs> I'm not a Mahomes lover. Like I'm a Minnesota Vikings. Previous yeah. year, I had season tickets. That's my team, whatever. But it's it's the data. Like I think Patrick's great. Uh, yeah, I think he's the best quarterback in the league. But Patrick Mahomes in his like the data in, in his whole career, regular season playoffs as an underdog, eight one and one against the spread, and seven and three straight up. I've been saying that for years. If you give me plus number and it's Patrick Mahomes and I, he's getting points, I, I take him. I don't even care who's playing. I honestly don't. I don't care who. Yeah. I don't care where. And, uh, it's just the data. Yeah, and then the, so, and I'm not go to the other side. Like I know Josh Allen. Like everybody's ooing okay. and on. Like the media kind of. I think they overreact most of the mainstream, okay. especially the American media. Well, that's Chad. I got it. Sorry, buddy. I'm up against the clock here. I got to cut you off, but I'm I'm with you on on um, the criticism that both guys are, that, that face from the from the media. Thanks, man. I appreciate your insight. Call us back on Monday. We'll talk some more. Okay. Welcome back to the program. It's uh, time to drop the gloves. And um, our next guest is Eric Francis from Sportsnet. You know, Gail Sayers once wrote a book titled I Am Third. And now when I watch Eric Francis on TV with Sportsnet and then Henrik Lundqvist on TV with TNT, I realize that's where I sit when it comes to the fashionistas (laughs) of the broadcasting world. First, it's... Eric and and Henrik are tied for number one and two, but then I am third. How are you, my friend? <laughs> oh, I love your pandering. Yeah. There's no way you can compare me to Henrik friggin' Lundqvist. That guy's no, no. king. I mean, as as far there. as as far as outfits go, yes. But you know, there were as as oh. uh, Lyndon Byers. Lind, you remember Lyndon Byers? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Lyndon Byers once said to me as I walked into the dressing room when he was playing for us, and I was a assistant coach i had on this 1990s two big shoulder double-breasted outfit walked in feeling really good about myself and eric and Lyndon looks at me and goes hey drew you look great i said 
Thanks, LB. He goes, yeah, from the, from the neck down. So it's when we look at it, we got to take, we got to take the model's face out of this as far as dressing goes. I mean, I got to go one, two with you guys. Oh yeah, no, and I, I'm aware that you're not talking about our faces, you're talking about our clothes, but where Henrik Lundqvist shops and where I shop are completely different, my friend. I, I can assure you that, but uh, I, pre- I always appreciate your uh, your nice words, my friend. It's, uh, it's good to talk to you. Good to talk to you again. Hey, let's talk about that horrible rule and the goal that was called back. Because I, I don't get it, Eric, that... A puck that deflects off the glove is the same as a hand pass. And how come I can't hand pass it in the offensive zone or neutral zone, but I can do it in the defensive zone? I, yeah. it, that rule and the hypocrisy of some NHL rules drives me crazy. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like, this this isn't one, like, yeah, everybody in Calgary is kind of up in arms right now. And, and I'll just say that, you know, I don't, uh, the players all said, you know, it was the right call by definition of the rule. But, you know, when I looked at the rule again this morning, I'm like, no, like the rule is if you use your glove to, to make a pass or a passing motion, it glanced off his glove. Like exactly. it was a clear, it was a clearing pass that glanced off his glove and, and it, you know, it negated a, a goal by Connor's area, a good Saskatchewan boy. And, and it would have mm-hmm. tied the game. And, and you know what? It deprived the hockey world of a phenomenal finish. You know, like you, yes. you had a great game last night, a, a red and blue crowd that was totally into it. It had all the elements that you'd want in an NHL hockey game, uh, including some controversy that we're talking about now. And then, and then, you know, the, the outcome of the game was dictated by what I think was a poor interpretation of a rule that, that, that we could question even just on its own. I mean, you're right. You're allowed to use your glove and your, I actually don't have a problem with that. You can. I, I'm glad that at least you can use your glove to pass it in your own zone. Agreed. Uh, but you know, in the offensive zone, I, I could see how that could get a little stupid. So I'm okay with it. But again, this was a glancing blow. Like I was talking to Blake Coleman, whose glove it hit at the end of the play, and they called the play back. He thought he didn't even know they were looking at that play. He thought they were looking at something else. So pretty shocking, you know, to him. Now, Michael Backlund said that during the play, he saw what happened and he kind of had a bad feeling uh, when they went on to score in that play later on. He said, I was wondering if they were going to look at that. Sure enough, they did, and it's kind of the ultimate nightmare for the Flames and, and the fans, too, because I get it. It's, I, I don't like it at all. That, that, it's, I, I would say that you have to wor- reword the definition, but you don't. You just have to interpret it better than I think the command center did last night. I think you're right, but here's the, here's the other thing that bothers me about the offside rule, and when it first came in, um, and and this rule, when we're taking away offense on plays that do not give a distinct, decided, competitive edge to the team that that gets this call or the call doesn't go there or goes their way. That's what bothers me. We're not giving. It wasn't like there was a huge competitive edge that flipped to the Calgary Flames when the puck went off the glove. Yeah. No, it's exactly. And, uh, and, and whether there's a competitive edge or not, that's not what they're looking for when they're trying to interpret the play. But like I said, was that, yeah. how do you call that a pass at all? That was a glance. Like, yeah. you know, and, and it's funny. You, there was an earlier play that went into the command center too. And I, I called the command center cause we were live on the air and I was like, okay, 
Let's let's get a, a an exact explanation from the league. And Kay Whitmore answered the phone, and he explained <laughs> to me. I, I, for those people who saw the goal, yeah, um, you know Andrew Mangiapane at the side of the net clearly made a kicking motion, but after he kicked it, it went off his other toe, right? Where there was no where there was no kicking motion, and then it trickled onto the line. And the only reason it was allowed to stand is because it hit the opposing team's stick as it was just going over the line. If it doesn't hit the opposing team's stick, it would have been deemed no goal. To me, if you kick it, but then after that it hits something else, I think it should still be a good goal. But the definition very clearly says it's got to hit a stick, not a goalie stick, but an opposing player's stick, and then the play is live again. Anyway, I hate it when we get into this. I'm all for video <laughs> Right, I'm. I, I don't know where you stand, but I'm all for video review. I I'm in the camp of let's get it right. Um, but man, that the consequence of that is these ticky tack, yes, silly plays. Which yes, you know, we all agree we need more offense in in every sport. I mean, you can never have enough offense, and this is stymieing offense in both cases. So I don't I don't like it. I don't get it, and I'm not really sure what the solution is. But I don't like where it is right now. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm on a. I'm I'm a little bit more of an older man though, um, and so I yell at the clouds a lot. So, if it doesn't go my way, I, I, I'm against it. Um, let's talk about the flames. Talking to Eric Francis from Sportsnet, uh, good man, good friend of the program, good friend of mine they, to uh, join us from the Sportsnet Calgary Flames. Uh, seven and three for the Calgary Flames. Have they righted the ship? Oh yeah, oh yeah. They're playing some really good hockey right now. Their depth is off the charts. Uh, you know, this youth movement that they've integrated in the midst of this season has just worked, uh, worked better than I, than anyone in the Flames organization could have dreamt. Uh, you know, and, 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 you know, it looks like now Matt Coronado is going to be called up tomorrow. Uh, one of their first round draft picks who's been, you know, lighting it up in the American Hockey League. He'll be integrated into the second line tomorrow for the injured Martin Pospisil. So yeah, and the bottom line is, it's kind of been, there have been seamless transitions no matter who's in the lineup. Uh, it just took a while for them to get all their line combinations. And now that they've found the right guys to play with, uh, Sharon Govich, for example, I mean, he's, I think he's had seven goals his last four or five games. Um, you know, uh, Huberto, who's obviously the biggest question mark in this organization, he's got like 10 points in his last nine games. That's a good sign. You know, Kadri's been on fire of late. Uh, it, it, the list goes on. Blake Coleman, <laughs> he's their leading scorer, for God's sake, and he's on the third line. It's just the most <laughs> ridiculous storyline. It's a great story because he's everything. He, you know, as a, as a former coach, Drew, this guy is a dream come true. Like yeah. defensive minded, yet can add offense. Is the ultimate leader. Probably the best quote in the in in the West. <laughs> uh, you know, he's got it all. He's married to a Dallas Cowboys former cheerleader uh like this guy literally uh you know gets every break there is in life and checks all the boxes so, so nice nice stories nice to see good things out of the good people that's uh, that's uh, a pretty impressive resume um let's talk about jonathan huberdo talking to eric francis from sportsnet let's talk about jonathan huberdo he, he has that career year and they, they call him for career years for a reason and then last year was last year uh you mentioned he's starting to roll along. How would you describe Huberdeau as a piece of the puzzle? You know what I mean? Like, what kind of – is he a great support guy on a good team? Is he a guy who can lead you? 
as being the man because he's getting paid like the man. What kind of piece of the puzzle is he? Yeah, I, I think I think you nailed. It. He's a great support guy on a good team. Um, like he's being paid to be a leader and, and a, right. you know be a difference maker. He's not that guy. Like I, I see no sign of that guy at all. Like it's unfathomable for anybody in Calgary to comprehend how this guy got 115 points in the National Hockey League. And I, <laughs> and I, I think very highly of him as a human being. Like I think he's a good leader in that room. I think he's handled this incredible adversity with tremendous poise and class, and I think that shows a sign of a good leader. Uh, but in terms of leading on the ice, I see no no hint that this guy can be that guy ever for this organization. Do, do I think he'll get back to being a point-of-game guy next year or the year after or at some point in this uh, eight-year uh, <laughs> sentence, as some people would put it? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I absolutely do. And I, I don't mean to make light of it because I, I really do like the man. And like I said, I, I'm impressed by the way he's handled this off the ice. But on the ice, he's, he, he passes to a fault. He, he cannot shoot the puck. He, I'm sure he has a, a decent shot. I, I've looked it up many times. He has had 200 shots mm-hmm. this season several times. But he just refuses to do it now. And he defers to the pass with, with, you know, to a fault. And that's his big problem. You, you, we've all been in our NHL arenas where you hear yeah. shoot, shoot, shoot. <laughs> and, and I would say eight out of ten times the fans are completely wrong. I, I yeah. really do believe that. <laughs> like, I, 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 oh, we all just say shoot, but you don't understand that there, you know there's a guy right in your lane, or there, 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 you know. But everyone just says shoot, and and but but with Huberto, it's it, like it's it's. Every time he he get the puck in his own zone, people start yelling "shoot!" just so that he gets the habit. <laughs> it's uh, it's just not working out. So, to put in perspective, also the fall from grace from him, he went from 115 points two years ago. That was an NHL record in the yes. history of our game. No left winger has ever had that many uh, points, um, no, that many assists that he had that year as well. Um, and then last year he went to 55 points, which is the biggest drop in NHL history from year to year. And this year he's on pace. I haven't checked it lately, but as of uh, about four or five days ago, he was on pace for, I think, 42 points, something like that. So it's not getting better. It's getting worse. But like I said, the last 10 games, he's really found himself on that line with Elias Lindholm and Sharon Govich. But here's the big problem, Drew. Just as they get all these lines finally figured out and the team has started to roll and they're right in the middle of this playoff race, the big asterisk, the big dagger that hangs over this team for the next two months is going to be the trade deadline. They're clearly right. going to be trading Elias Lindholm. That is this not even up for debate anymore. I don't know what they're going to do with Hannafin and Tanev. My guess is they sign Hannafin, and my guess is they trade Tanev. Those are some pretty significant changes wow. on the team that they're you know they're counting on these guys to be leaders. And of course, there's a chance they won't sign Hannafin. So that would be three tremendous leaders all gone. And how this team would adjust to that uh, would be the ultimate test for their depth. Buddy, I could talk to you all day. I really appreciate it. I, th- I think we get to see you soon um, when uh, we're coming to Calgary. So looking yeah. forward to that. I think I owe you dinner uh, or at least uh, a Pepsi or two. And we're gonna have a, yeah, we're going to have a talk. And uh, I'm just going to leave you with this. Uh, the pleasure's been all mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're too kind, my friend. I'll buy you dinner for all these compliments. Bring it. Bring a nice suit. I don't need to tell you that. Just bring a nice suit. You always do. You you downplay it, but you're the best dressed guy in the way out west. <laughs>
I love you, pal. I'll talk to you soon. See you, buddy. Yeah, good talking with you. Cheers. The great Eric Francis from Sportsnet. I love the guy. I really do. Great dude, and you can hear it in his voice. He loves the Calgary Flames, and he's got great perspective, though. Always honest about what he's seeing on the ice. We'll be back on the Green Zone, 650 CKOM, 980 CJME. Uh, just one more reminder of the Tic Tac 20 contest. Every hockey season, we have a contest, and you just go to CKOM or CJME.com and go to the contest page, scroll down, and enter the Tic Tac 20 contest. And if any team on a Saturday in the National Hockey League scores within the first 20 seconds of the game, then you can win money. And this week's contestant, Matthew Kostinek, Kostinek. Matthew, again, I apologize, but uh, you can win, Matthew, $1,500 if any team, and the uh, thing is 12 games tomorrow starting at 1130, uh, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan time, Regina, I guess, too, and Moose Jaw, and Swift Current, and Prince Albert, um, you could win $1,500 if any team scores within the first 20 seconds of the game. Hasn't happened yet this year. 21 was the closest we came, and it was last week. If the guy would have been quicker on the clock, somebody could have won 1400 bucks. But, Matthew, you have a chance to win $1,500 tomorrow. Let's go to the one-minute drill.